Girlfriends, episode number 111, The Girlfriend's Guide to Fasting. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about Lent and dentists and coming up with our very own Girlfriend's Guide to Fasting. You know you won't want to miss this one. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so happy that you've decided to join me for another episode during this season of Lent. Yes, it's still Lent. Are you feeling it? Are you tired of it? We keep getting snow. So um, it's feeling very Lenten. We're getting more snow in a couple of days. I'm recording this on Tuesday morning this week. And uh, tomorrow, we're supposed to get walloped with another storm. And um, I know I do this every year. I know I complain about winter lasting too long every year. But this year, I really mean it. <laughs> it really is lasting too long. And Lent is feeling very Lenten. So that's my complaint to start off our show. Um, I think I'm also feeling like it's very Lenten the past few days because Dan has been gone. This almost never happens. You know that I travel a fair amount. Um, so usually the times when we're apart, he's at home holding down the fort, and I'm off pursuing new adventures, which aren't always glamorous or fun. Um, he's actually taking a fun trip, though. He went down to Florida with our older son. Uh, both of our sons have spring break from their different colleges. And Ambrose, who happens to have spring break down in Florida, is the perfect location for those um, others to go visit. So um, Eamon, my son, who's at St. Anselm, Decided he wanted to go visit his brother for his spring break, of course. And then Dan decided to tag along for the first part of it, um, just a few days. So he's only been gone a few days, but I am feeling it. I am feeling it. Of course, I miss him. Um, and I'm not used to like going to bed by myself in our house, in our bed. Like that never happens. Um, but beyond that kind of weirdness, it, it, there's... A lot of stuff that just falls to me as the default parent that I don't even realize um, usually is divvied up. And it, everything from like, you know, driving to um, different kinds of kid discipline and responsibilities and whatever. Um, I'm just feeling it by day three here. Like, okay, I'm done with this situation. So my my hat goes off to you who are single parents or people whose spouses travel a lot, uh, because I think that that really is a significant challenge. And this little bit has helped me to realize just how much I need Dan around and how much I tend to take for granted our division of labor here. Um, I feel like I'm constantly <laughs> driving. I've got multiple driving trips today, uh, the worst of which is I'm bringing my two youngest boys to the dentist later today. Oh my gosh, do you hate the dentist? I hate the dentist. And um, you know what? I have uh, almost perfect dental health, per me personally. I don't have any reason to be traumatized by the dentist. Um, in fact, you know, I went 44 years before I got my first cavity and it was a little one and it was not traumatic to fix. Um, but I just dread it because of and I'm going to, I guess, make up a phrase, the dental shame. Um, if you don't floss 
or if you haven't been, you know, brushing your three-year-old's teeth three times a day and flossing for them and using the proper dental rinse every evening before bed. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I went through this years ago. Um, we went to a different dentist here in town and it, the, the dental shame there was high. It was bad. And I remember once the hygienist coming out to talk to me in the waiting room. And there I am, the mom who brought in like, you know, I probably brought in half the kids that day. And it still felt like a crowd. And I felt like the weirdo in the waiting room. But the dental hygienist who was like this young girl, and she probably didn't mean anything bad by it, came out to, you know, correct me on um, my brushing technique of my young son, I mean, who was too little to brush his teeth for himself. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This kid has seven siblings and I'm doing 10,000 things in my life. You know, dental hygiene, while important, is not number one on my list. And I would come away from the dentist feeling really bad about myself as a parent. Um, I know people who've come away feeling really bad about themselves personally because they aren't going to the dentist often enough and they aren't flossing often enough. And, you know, this is the wrong approach, people. This makes people dread the dentist and put off those appointments for way too long, which is why I'm bringing in my boys this afternoon um, and feeling guilty about it because it has been too long. I'm not even going to tell you how long it's been since their last checkup because you will judge me. And if you're a dentist, you're going to come over my house and arrest me or something. Um, but anyway, <laughs> they're going to go and they will get their their um, dental care, which I know is important. I get it. It's just not the most important thing in my life. And um, so anyway, <laughs> tell me if you share some of this. I know some people share these same feelings because um, I, I just got this this email from a woman maybe... Oh, it's probably been about three years now, but it just spoke right to my heart where she had been to the dentist with her kids that day. And one of her little guys had four cavities and her husband was so upset with her for the fact that their child had four cavities, which, you know, I don't know this guy, but completely unfair. I mean, what are you even talking about? You know, you can brush three times a day every day and still get cavities. Some people's teeth just naturally get cavities more easily than others. But anyway, um, and it just spoke right to my heart, this poor woman's guilt and her shame over the dentist. It was it was too much. And uh, and I know other people have suffered this. So if you're a dentist, if you work in the dental industry, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how your practice is different. And in fact, the dentist we're going to this afternoon actually is different. Um, I went there uh, a couple of years ago before getting my wisdom teeth out. This was the, I decided to try this new dentist in town. And um, the vibe there was very different. There's still some element of that um, <laughs> dental guilt and shame, but you know, it's their job. Anyway, uh, tell me your experiences with the dentist and I'll tell you mine after I bring my little boys today, uh, how it goes. I hope it goes well for them. Anyway, today we're talking about a different Lenten practice. We're talking about fasting. Of course, we've already talked about, you know, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, both here and on the Catholic Momcast, which is going to be coming out soon. In the next couple of weeks, you'll be looking for that on iTunes or where wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can tune in to me and Lisa Handy talking about out. things like Lent and everyday family things, um, topics that moms care about. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a heads up when that new podcast is available. But I wanted to specifically focus on fasting because so many of us do some form of fasting during Lent. And some of us are great 
at it and having a great Lent and our fast is going great and we're thinking about taking on more and others of us are failing miserably. Maybe we've given up. Maybe we never started. It's okay. It's okay to admit. Um, But I wanted to talk about fasting a little bit because I've been exploring the idea of fasting in a little bit more depth this Lenten season than I have in the past. I mean, you know, there's always the give something up, right? Where you either um, give up coffee or you, um, you know, give up complaining or you're, you know, give up Facebook and fast from those kinds of things. But even in just the strictest, most traditional sense, the idea of fasting, which means, you know, going without food for a length of time, which of course is in a very minimal form required by the church for all healthy adults who aren't pregnant or nursing, um, you know, on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday of every year. But to me, that kind of fasting, that the way that the church defines it, that's not really fasting to me because it's not really hard to do. I don't know. Having two small meals and then one regular size meal and not eating between meals, um, you know, it, it can be difficult, but I, I don't know. It, it seems like really the bare minimum. But anyway, so those are the days that it's actually required in that way that you tailor your eating practices to what the church tells us to do. So that act of obedience is important on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday of every year. But this year, I've been um, experimenting a little bit with fasting, meaning going without food for um, certain periods of time and offering that up in an intentional way as part of a Lenten practice. And I found it really fruitful. Um, so I want to share a little bit about my experience with that. But first and foremost, I want to say, don't experiment with fasting if you are pregnant, if you are under the age of 18, if you are nursing a baby, um, or if you have a history of eating disorders or a disordered approach to your eating in any way, if you feel like you're tempted toward that kind of maybe obsession, and maybe that's too strong a word, um, hyper-focus on your eating in a way that's not healthy, hyper-focus on your body image with regard to your eating in a way that's not healthy, this is not for you. You're not, you know, wait until you're in um, a better place to be able to take on something like this. But if the idea of fasting is at all attractive to you because you're like, oh, I can lose weight that way. No, you know, (laughs) or maybe not, but not like a Lenten spiritual kind of fasting. Okay, fasting actually is popular in um, health and fitness circles and the different podcasts I'm listening to. A lot of people are talking about fasting, intermittent fasting, IF, right? I think this uh, has become more and more popular over the past few years. Uh, I think it might have started with paleo diet. I don't know. But anyway, um, it's it's really going for a length of time without eating on a regular basis as a way to um, not just restrict the number of calories you're eating in a day, but, uh, you know, it's it, it can affect your metabolism and whatever. If you're interested in fasting for weight loss or for health reasons, uh, there, it looks like there's a lot of strong evidence that it can be a very good thing. And if you're in a healthy place to try to experiment with that, that's fine. Go explore that. There are different podcasts that will talk about that, but that, this is not what that's about. Um, uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about the spiritual practice of fasting and um, my experience of it. 
So just a few different ideas I want to share. And honestly, it's so funny that I'm calling this the girlfriend's guide to fasting because what I really mean by that is that it's informal and I'm a total newbie and I'm not in any way an expert on fasting. I just am experimenting with it in this way for the first time this Lent. You know, previous Lents, um, you know, for many years, it wasn't even something that I could do because... I was, you know, usually pregnant or nursing, um, and I had that kind of built-in reason to not be fasting. Um, so, first of all, if you are pregnant or nursing, and I know many of you are who listen to this podcast, don't feel bad about your Lent. I used to feel bad, like I'd see other people doing these great things, but um, part of Lenten practice is obedience and obeying what you know, what the position that you're in, and 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 sacrificing the sacrifice that you might want to make, as ridiculous as that sounds, um, can be actually a very fruitful spiritual practice. So, um, you know, you'll have time later in your life when you can do all of these other things again. Um, But right now you're in a season of your life where your body is given over to others in a very real physical way. And it's a beautiful act of generosity. It's a beautiful thing that only a mother can do. And so, you know, I want you to enjoy that, relish that, um, you know, really embrace that role that God's giving you right now inside of your family. Um, So for the rest of us, and some of this applies to you guys too, who aren't going to be fasting by um, avoiding food for any length of time. But the first point that I want to make about it is to be creative about it. You kind of have this idea like, okay, a fast, that means I won't eat for a day or whatever. Um, It doesn't have to be like that. It could be, I'm, I'm not going to eat breakfast this morning, or it could be, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to eat after dinner when you normally snack in the evening or whatever it is. Um, but I, I find it's really helpful to kind of set boundaries on it because otherwise I play mind games with myself. Like, oh, I, you know, I, I said I wouldn't eat, you know, this afternoon, but now it's 4.30. So that's pretty much dinner time, that kind of thing. Um, I find it's really helpful to just really decide prayerfully ahead of time, what what kind of a fast you want to do and what kind of restrictions you're going to put on it and start small, you know, be creative about it and start small. Don't don't think you have to go 24 hours without eating in order for this to be beneficial for you spiritually. Um, Any kind of act of, you know, holding back or sacrifice is a beautiful gift that you can offer to God, even if it's just not having a cup of coffee in the morning. Um, But if you're going to experiment with fasting as just not taking in any food of any kind for a period of time, I find it's really helpful to really set boundaries for what that is and and start really reasonably small, you know, maybe an eight hour window or something like that um, and, and make it work for your schedule. Okay, so but besides all of that, creativity, I want to make the point first and foremost, to make prayer a part of your fast. It's been a popular thing I've seen around social media this Lent that says, if you're fasting without prayer, that's just a diet. And that's true. I mean, what, what, it's not a spiritual practice, if you're just not eating, (laughs) you know, so um, make prayer a part of your fast. And one really helpful way that I want to share about um, that's working for me this Lent is offering it up for someone in particular. Now, I realized going into this Lent that 
a lot of times we have so many opportunities to pray for other people in our lives. And I would find myself, you know, even just going through social media, the numbers of opportunities you have to pray for people, the situations you hear about and the people who are requesting prayer can be overwhelming sometimes. Um, and, and I realized, you know, sometimes in the moment I would just, you know, offer up a Hail Mary and then type in, I'm praying for you. And then I forget about it. Right. Um, that's normal. (laughs) But uh, at the same time, I really I wanted to do something more meaningful with regard to praying for other people this Lent. So I decided to attach it to fasting and to pick a different person each day. So whatever kind of fast I was going to do in a day. And a a lot of times, um, it it would just be a set amount of time. Um, And I'm not going to share all of my details because they don't apply to you. And (laughs) you need to find your own. But I would I would pick, um, you know, either a set amount of time or whatever that I was going to be fasting. And then I would choose a person, one person per day, whether it was someone I didn't even know whose story I read about on Twitter, or if it was somebody that I did know deeply and personally and cared a lot about, or someone in my own family, or a friend who asked me for prayer, um, I would just pick a person and offer up not just the fasting of that day, but then that entire day, every opportunity that I had to offer something up in that day. Um, I, I'm, I've been focusing on that, that person who that day is for. So I found that was really, it, it was really empowering for me inside of my prayer life, because I think sometimes we feel overwhelmed. There's so many things to pray for. There's so many people to pray for. There's so many people I promised prayer for, and I've completely forgotten what they needed and what I was supposed to pray, even though I had the best of intentions at the time. Um, But this was just, you know, one way to feel like I can actually, you know, help someone else spiritually in this way. And this, this beautiful gift we have in the communion of the saints, where we're able to pray for each other, we're able to sacrifice for each other. And um, I just, I find it's been a really beautiful opportunity to take advantage of that and to more fully realize the power that we have inside of prayer. Because I think sometimes, and I certainly have fallen prey to this, we kind of, you know, take for granted our prayer lives or don't recognize the power of it. And we'll say things like, oh, I'll pray for you, or all we can do is pray. And and really what we're meaning when we say that is, well, there's nothing we can do, you know. Um, but I found that this is really a powerful way for me to kind of realize and focus on what I can accomplish inside of my prayer life, how I can help other people, and how I can focus outside of myself this Lent and sacrifice in a way that hopefully is beneficial to other people. So I found it really helpful to do that. And I didn't go through, and I know some people who do this, and like plan all the 40 days of Lent and who I'm going to pray for each day. I've kind of been letting situations come to me. Um, You know, I'll, I'll know that I'll find out that a friend's going through something hard or has an upcoming doctor's appointment they're worried about. And so I'll give that date to that that friend or I'll happen upon a story even in the news of somebody you don't know. And you can pray in a powerful way for that that person by focusing your day and your fasting on that person. And so how do you make prayer a part of your fast? Of course, there's offering it up ahead of time and, um, you know, just prayerfully offering that sacrifice to God for that person's benefit um, or for that intention. But then there's also in the moment. And um, I find that this is really helpful. If you're if you're new to fasting, you're going to notice it. <laughs> you know, whether it's just, whether it's out of hunger pangs or out of just 
you know, the, the kind of discomfort of breaking a habit of eating at a certain time or eating certain foods or whatever it is that you're, you're fasting from. Um, so I find that it's really helpful to have those kind of built-in reminders. It's uncomfortable. So you're going to notice it and you're going to notice it a lot. So um, those built-in reminders are kind of like a little nudge throughout the day. Like remember who you're doing this for and offer up a, you know, a prayer for that person. Even something as simple as just, you know, repeating your offer to God of that sacrifice for that person. You could repeat your morning offering. You could say a Hail Mary um, or, you know, whatever prayer is meaningful to you or, or you think applies to that particular situation. There might be a certain saint that you're invoking on that person's behalf. Great time to, you know, say a little prayer to that saint when you notice it throughout the day. So that's what I found is really um, kind of beneficial about fasting. We've talked before about trying to make God and prayer a part of your everyday. And one way I've recommended in the past is setting a regular timer to go off, taking note of what you're doing, what you're thinking about, and consciously making an effort to give it to God, you know, a, a regular timer throughout your day to kind of build that habit inside yourself of turning your mind and your heart toward God. Well, I find that fasting does that because it's like a little built-in reminder because you're aware of it. Um, maybe I'll get so good at it that I won't notice it, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> and I doubt I'll get there this Lent. So, so far that's been um, working really well to remind me that I'm doing it for someone else and having that kind of prayerful intention about what I'm doing. Um, okay, and then just some practical tips that I want to share. If you're struggling with fasting, whether it's um, traditional avoiding food kind of fasting, or refraining from something else, whether it's staying off of Instagram, or, um, you know, keeping the radio off in the car, or skipping your favorite television show, or, you know, not eating one of your favorite foods, whatever it is, um, some things that can be helpful. First of all, I already, star I already talked about starting small. Don't, don't try to, you know, be a hero because you're really setting yourself up for failure and disillusionment and abandoning the whole thing. Um, you know, start small. If if it's real easy and you, you think you want more of a challenge after a few days of it, go ahead, you know, add to it. But start small, start where you are. Um, second tip is to stay busy. I find it's really helpful if you're trying to um, break a bad habit, habit and not that eating is a bad habit, but, um, you know, and not that going on Facebook is necessarily a bad habit, but if you're trying to break a, a habit, it's helpful to replace it with a different habit. So keep yourself busy, fill that void. If you're skipping lunch, don't just sit at your desk thinking about the lunch you're not eating, you know, <laughs> get some work done. Um, or, you know, go outside for a walk or call a friend. Um, or if you're at home, get some housework done, clean a bathroom. There's there's plenty to do. Don't tell me you don't have stuff to do. So, you know, staying busy can be a great way to kind of distract yourself from the fast and um, make it a little bit more manageable for you. You know, you don't want to, if you're, if you're at home and you're trying to fast as in avoiding food, then, you know, don't be hanging around your kitchen. Don't, you know, <laughs> find something to do in some other area of your house that's going to distract you. So staying busy is key. Also drinking water. At the start of this Lent, I guess it was on Ash Wednesday when a lot of people were fasting. Um, I saw a nun, I can't remember her name, but I follow a ton of nuns on Twitter. Um, sharing that very tip, just drink a lot of water today, people. You know, the, you, you're allowed to drink water, drink a ton of water. It, you know, it's, it's going to make you more likely to succeed 
in fasting. And I find that that's really true. Um, so keep a water bottle handy. We're always talking about that here anyway, for health reasons, you need to be hydrating more. It'll give you mental clarity, it'll help you avoid headaches. It will, um, you know, give you a little bit of a feeling of fullness in your stomach if you're going on empty. Um, so I, I think, you know, keeping that in mind, just keeping your water bottle handy is just a really practical way that can help you inside of your fast. Even if you're not completely avoiding food during your fast, if you're, you know, avoiding snacking or whatever it is, um, drinking water, it, it can kind of fill that habit. I discovered this, um, gosh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, there was a time where, um, and I don't even think it was Lent, I think I was just doing it. I was choosing to to only drink wine on, on Saturday evenings and just really restrict how often I was drinking wine because it felt like it could easily become an everyday habit and I didn't want it to be that. Anyway, I was intervening in that way. And I realized in the evenings, I was very used to having a glass of wine, whether we were watching television or playing a game or talking with the kids. And um, I just replaced the glass of wine with a glass of water. <laughs> it wasn't a water bottle. It was a glass. So I had that feeling of holding a glass and drinking. And gosh, that, that really, I discovered... <laughs> was almost all that I needed. It was actually very funny to me that, oh, I didn't actually need the wine. It's this habit of just sitting and, and sipping and drinking something. And anyway, um, as, as ridiculous as that is, maybe something like that could work for you, um, adding drinking water, just replacing that, that habit with something else. And then the final thing that I want to mention with regard to fasting, whatever kind of fasting you're engaged in this Lent, is that if you fail at it, if you mess up, if you break your fast when you didn't want to, didn't mean to, weren't planning to, don't give up. Just try it again. Get back out there. Do it again. Um, I, you know, that's really, that's that's the devil who's tempting you toward breaking your fast in the first place and then, and then telling you that it's all over and you might as well go have a pizza. Um, no, it, get back into it. Get right back in there and, you know, double up your, your prayers and... Um, get back in and, and try it again. But maybe breaking your fast in the way you didn't intend to means that you need to reassess. I don't know. You know that best. Um, and, you know, the, the last point I want to make about fasting is, and this is related to the, if you fail to go ahead and try it again, get back in there. Um, don't obsess about it. If you find yourself obsessing about it, you know, whether it's niggling about all the little details about what you can eat and when and how much or any of that, just stop it right there. It's not, that's not a spiritually fruitful exercise for you. Okay. Don't obsess about it, you know, and, and don't obsess about the rules about it. And, um, I think that's really kind of leaning into that dangerous territory of, uh, being scrupulous and it's a real thing. So don't let yourself go down that path. And if all else fails, Ask somebody else's input and advice on what you're doing, on what you're taking on, whether it be a spiritual advisor or um, talking to a priest, going to confession and, um, you know, briefly, if it's on Saturday afternoon, um, asking the priest his opinion of what you're, you're doing for a fast. Um, and or, or your, your spouse, your husband, he knows you better than anybody. And I find that that's generally all I need to do if I'm wondering if I'm doing too much or too little is ask Dan's opinion. And he never fails to set me straight. <laughs> so men have that gift of clarity of thought sometimes that um, 
well, I won't speak for all women, but sometimes I'm lacking it and I can get so bogged down in my own details and questioning every little thing. And I find that um, spirituality is one of those places where I can do that. I think a lot of people can do that. Also, your your diet, your health and your diet, your, your nutrition is another area where separate from any kind of spiritual practice, it's very easy to do that. It's very easy to get caught up in the rules and regulations and obsess over all those little details that is not healthy. So if you find yourself obsessing, you know, get some outside input and get yourself out of it because that's not going to be a spiritually beneficial practice for you. So that's it. That's my girlfriend's guide. Here I am offering a guide as I'm figuring it out myself. But that's what I do here on Girlfriends. Share with you what's going on in my life, what I'm learning, how I'm learning it, the stuff that I'm messing up. Um, I'll continue to share with you about um, how this Lent is going, but I hope you'll share how your Lent is going. You can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Leave me voice feedback through Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is in the show notes for every episode of Girlfriends. You know I love to get your voice feedback. The other way you can do that is just record a voice memo on your phone and then email it to me. It's that simple. But if you don't want to do the voice thing, you can always email or connect with me on social media. I want to know how you're doing this Lent. Are you doing any kind of fasting? What are you fasting from and how's it going? What are you struggling with? We can talk and share more about it here during the coming weeks because there's a lot of Lent left. Okay, we got this. We got this. Let's go take on the rest of Lent. I just want to take a moment to thank our newest Patreon supporter of the Girlfriends podcast, Jennifer, who has pledged a super generous amount of $10, which is unheard of. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Super generous and really appreciate your support of what I do here at Girlfriends. If you're interested in supporting the Girlfriends podcast through Patreon, if you want to encourage me to continue to record the podcast week after week, a great way that you can do that is through Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash girlfriends. If you go there, you can get all the details about how you can pledge even just as little as a dollar per episode. Many, many people do that. It all adds up and it makes a big difference. And it really does encourage me and let me know that you appreciate what I'm doing here. So thank you to everybody who's a Patreon supporter. And if you're interested in finding out more, go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. I also want to take a moment to thank Ascension for partnering with me to bring you this podcast week after week. They are so great over there. You go to ascensionpress.com. Girlfriends is just one of many podcasts that they offer over at Ascension. You'll want to check out all the good stuff that they have, including Jeff Cavins, including video content from Father Mike Schmitz. There's always something there that's going to support you and educate you and entertain you in your Catholic faith. So check it out over at ascensionpress.com. Okay, I think I'm going to end this episode here. I did plan to share a little reader question with you about children's behavior at Mass, but I'm worried that I'm not going to have the time to give it the proper 
amount of attention and, and response that I want to give it. Um, you know, I, I heard from a reader this week, let me just quickly check her name, Lori, who um, is really struggling with her kids behavior at mass and her own feelings of discouragement with regard to her parish community and its lack of welcoming of children. Anyway, I'm going to share a little bit about that next week, because I, I think it's a it's a bigger topic that maybe we can spend a whole episode talking about. And um, I've got a lot to say, I've got a lot to say. But in the meantime, please hold Lori in prayer. She's in need of encouragement and support and compassion that she's not currently finding at her parish um, and inside of her vocation as a mom. So let's pray for Lori. And next week, we'll share her question. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe some of you will have some stories as well to share with regard to children's behavior at mass. It's a perennial topic. So I think it's worth spending quite a bit of time on. So that makes a little bit of a shorter episode, but I'm so glad that we've had this time here together. And I'm looking forward to your feedback about how your Lent is going, how your fasting is going, what kind of fasting you're doing. Remember to send me those emails at danielle at daniellebean.com. And thank you so much just for being here. Even if you never give me any feedback, the fact that you subscribe to the Girlfriends Podcast and that you put those earbuds in your ear and you hit play is so powerfully encouraging and affirming for me. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you for your presence here today. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.